0: Welcome to the Partcast, Episode 1 Practical Strategies for Engaging Frontline Practitioners in Evidence Informed Practice. The Partcast is a weekly series that brings evidence informed child welfare practice to life by highlighting literature reviews from the Particle Archive. I'm your host, Matthew Hollingshead. This part provides practical tips and examples for getting research into the hands of frontline child welfare practitioners. It describes the current thinking in child welfare and borrows ideas from other fields, including medicine, education, and nursing. These ideas can be used to help implement practice initiatives that are evidence-informed. What is evidence-informed practice? Researchers from a variety of fields use many terms to describe the act of ensuring various forms of evidence are seen and used by practitioners. These terms include evidence-informed practice, evidence-based practice, knowledge mobilization, and knowledge translation. Evidence-based practice refers to a decision-making model in which practitioners competently use interventions that have been proven to be effective by rigorous research studies. Over the past decade, the concept of evidence-informed practice has expanded the notion of evidence-based practice to include practitioner and client perspectives. Evidence-informed practice recognizes the importance of organizational and cultural contexts. This part will refer to evidence-informed practice, or EIP. Evidence-informed practice means that decisions about how to meet the needs of vulnerable children, young people, and adults are informed by an understanding of best available evidence about what is effective, practice wisdom, and the views of service users about their experiences, preferences, perceptions, the impact of their problems on their lives, and the impact of our interventions. Being evidence-informed in your practice is an approach that includes asking challenging questions about your current practice, Is what I'm doing the most effective? Do the families I serve experience it as effective? Being prepared to admit that you do not always have the answer. Knowing how to construct answerable questions. Understanding how and where to find relevant research. Being able to apply critical thinking to research findings that may inform your practice. Integrating research findings with the experiences and perspectives of others, and taking into consideration the preferences and values of clients. After applying the evidence, being prepared to evaluate the impact of your practice. Why is using evidence to inform practice important? Traditionally. Practitioners have been separated from academic research and have implemented interventions based on personal experiences and practice wisdom as opposed to what has been demonstrated to be effective in the literature. It has been said that unless practitioners intervene on the basis of the best available evidence of what's likely to help, their actions will be little more than experiments in helping. Worse, they may actually do harm. Meaning well is no longer enough. Experts from several disciplines have discovered some effective strategies that can assist practitioners and researchers to close the gap between research and practice. What barriers get in the way of getting research to practitioners? There are many barriers to getting research to those who can use it to inform their practice. In order for the implementation of EIP to be successful, it is necessary to acknowledge and address these barriers. The barriers can include a lack of time to find, read, and contemplate relevant research, or to consider the implications of research onto practice and how new ideas can be implemented. the overwhelming volume of information that is available, a lack of access to resources, such as basic internet searches, academic journals, research literature, and libraries. The time lag between current research and implementation into practice. Absence of organizational cultures that support a learning culture and evidence-informed or evidence-based practices. A lack of knowledge about searching techniques and the skills required to evaluate the quality of research that is found. A lack of support from the organization to implement research evidence into practice a lack of authority to change practices, and difficulties in the way that research is communicated. At times, research is difficult to understand, due in part to the style of the writing and the publication of information in academic rather than practitioner-based journals. These publications do not always make the implications for practice clear. What Works? How can child welfare practitioners and researchers overcome these barriers and effectively implement evidence-informed practice? Practitioners and researchers require meaningful opportunities to reflect on practice, effective systems for locating useful evidence, and the skills to properly read, understand, and implement evidence. Tips for Frontline Practitioners Frontline practitioners are in a unique position to impact the lives of children and families. By using evidence to inform their practice, practitioners can achieve better outcomes for the people they serve. The following are tips that frontline practitioners can use to ensure their practice is evidence-informed. Tip 1. Take personal responsibility for being evidence-informed. Start by developing a learning plan for yourself. What areas of your practice do you want to improve? What knowledge do you need to gain? How do you learn best? By reading, or watching, or experiencing? Discuss your learning needs with your supervisor. Develop a learning contract with your supervisor that sets out priorities, methods for learning, and timeframes to review progress. Start by choosing one or two activities from this particle and implement them into your own practice. Learn how to access the various programs available to you on the PART website. Tip number two. Provide information to families about evidence for research that supports the suggestions or decisions being made. Use ideas from evidence in the context of clinical meetings with families, plans of care meetings with children in care and foster parents, and plans of service meetings with families. For example, Provide handouts and information to new parents about safe sleeping for their baby. When working with a parent who struggles with parenting a teenager, provide current research information on adolescent development with attention to cognitive and social development. Follow this up with discussions on how they can apply the information to their parenting practices. Provide foster parents with research evidence about the effectiveness of child behavior management techniques. Provide potential adoptive parents with evidence on effective strategies to achieve better educational outcomes for children who have lived in foster care. Tip number three. Make asking key questions about the services that you are providing a regular part of your workday. Some good questions to ask include, What do we not know about this issue? Why are we doing this? What is this intervention meant to achieve? Did it achieve what it set out to achieve? Have there been any unexpected outcomes? How do we know that the best possible outcome has been achieved for our service users? What is our client's opinion of this intervention? Did it make a difference from the client's point of view? How does this fit with client preferences and values? What evidence is there to support this decision? Can we do better? Where can we find out more about this? Tip number four. Approach all evidence with an open mind. A common pitfall is to search for evidence that confirms our beliefs about what works. Only after you have considered all available evidence can you decide if an intervention is the right one. Although this sounds simple, keeping an open mind is often more difficult than it seems. Tip number five. Make changes and track progress. How do you keep track of the progress of the clients on your caseload? Simple tools, such as Excel spreadsheets, are a great way to track key factors over the course of a year. Some themes that you can track could include how many cases you've carried over the course of a year, how many files you've transferred from intake to ongoing, how many children you've brought into care, and how many have returned home, how many assessments have been completed, or how many teaching sessions you've held with a family. Tip number 6. Talk with your team about something new that you have learned, and discuss how you will develop your practice. Bring ideas back from learning events or a particle you have read. Generate conversations about new learning at informal team discussions. Present the information you learned from a conference at a team meeting, and generate a discussion on the implications to practice. Watch a webinar as a team and discuss the implications for your practice. What were the key points in the webinar? How can you put these points into your practice? Is there an area or topic you want to learn more about? The PART website contains a growing set of resources specially designed to help frontline child welfare practitioners implement evidence-informed practice in their day-to-day work. You can visit the website to learn more about these resources at www.partcanada.org. You've been listening to The PartCast, Episode 1, Practical Strategies for Engaging Frontline Practitioners in Evidence-Informed Practice. The PartCast is produced by Practice and Research Together, a membership-based organization that promotes the understanding and use of evidence-informed practice at all levels of the child welfare system. For more information about this episode's topic, The PartCast, or Practice and Research Together, please visit www.partcanada.org. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Part E-I-P. That's P-A-R-T-E-I-P. Thanks for listening.